RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, happy Duffified Live Friday. Yep, it's Duffified Live Day, boys and girls. And I got a great show coming up for this week. Uh, I have, uh, I, I did some traveling over the last couple of weeks. Um, I started about three weeks ago. Uh, I left Philadelphia and I flew out to Vancouver where I had the uh, amazing opportunity to spend some time in Vancouver, Washington, again at the ALNA Casino, working really close with the team um, that puts all of that together for their beer um, and uh, and food festival that they just did, which was really pretty cool. I did a private dinner um, at this awesome little spot called Line and Lore, which is a fish restaurant inside of the ALNA Casino that I just, I, it was such an amazing opportunity. We had 40 people come in. I did a five-course menu, um, and it was all held within the casino. Um, the kitchen staff that put everything together from the executive chef to executive Sue to the line cooks to the servers were so accommodating. They were so nice to work with. So, um, if you get a chance and you're ever out in the Vancouver or Richfield, Richfield area of Washington state, I want you to go into the ALNA and check it out. Stop in the entire crew that's out there. I'm serious. From Line and Lore to Michael Jordan's restaurant to everybody who's involved in the whole process. We're so professional and so pleasant to be around that it makes doing those events a really, really neat experience. So, um, like I said, we did a five course meal. We started off, it was a beer pairing as well. We worked with the 5440 brand, um, or brewery and got to come up with some really cool stuff. So, um, the first course that I did was a beer battered tempura shrimp. So we got these, uh, really nice Ibu shrimp, uh, the big long shrimp in, um, and skewered them up and uh, did a nice tempura. And then I did a blue moon aioli that went over the top of that. That was kind of fun. Then we did a winter salad. Um, and the winter salad was pretty cool because we ended up doing an arugula dish and I made a, a, a cider vinaigrette out of everything that we were working with on it. Um, so it was a pretty cool little, little thing to watch. Um, these guys execute some stuff that had like, you know, a lot of beer recipes and, uh, it, it was just so much fun, man. It, it was, I'm, I'm pulling the menu up right now so that I can kind of recap what it is that we did. So we worked with a Kolsch on the tempura, which was a massive prawn Kolsch beer batter with the blue moon citrus aioli. And we paired it with Cascadia Kolsch, which is by the 5440. Then we did our winter salad, which was smoked potatoes, caramelized walla walla onions, arugula, California walnuts with a black pepper goat cheese. And what we did actually on that goat cheese was the goat cheese that they had was a really nice artisanal goat cheese. So it wasn't as soft as I, as I had originally anticipated. Normally I would crush the outside of it, but this goat cheese was so nice on its own on its own that what I did was I did a crostini and I actually ended up tossing that crostini 
in an extra virgin olive oil and then salt and a whole bunch of fresh ground black pepper. And then we grilled it. So it was this really nice kind of smoky, charry that we put this almost dry goat cheese. It had like a real nice outer rind to it that went into this really soft core um, that we kind of spread that all over top of this. Then we baked those off. Um, that was real nice. It came out really well. So we did a black pepper goat cheese. We did a crushed corn nut. And then we did a cider vinaigrette, and that was being done with what's called a baby Yoda, which is a pale ale by 5440. And then I went into this the, the first course, my, my first main, which was a honey and lavender glazed salmon that actually was more of a cure than it was a glaze. They did such a nice job because what you do is you take that honey and you raise the temperature of that honey up. And then I infused that lime or that uh, that lavender into there. And with that, I added in some shallots and a little bit of garlic and stuff that kind of cured everything. And then we pop it right over top of that salmon that we blocked out into little four-ounce portions. We block it out. You dip it into that, like, just slightly warm honey. And then you let it sit in the refrigerator for a full day. And what happens is that honey starts to kind of dig into it. That sugar actually starts to cook or macerate that salmon. So it cured the whole thing, but it's not like with a, a typical maceration. Maceration is when you add sugar into a fruit or something like that. And what it does, is it pulls it out and it pulls all the sugar and really kind of caramelizes everything up and makes it really sweet. It's nice. It's almost like making a simple syrup and adding it into something. But the way that this worked was... We cured that salmon in it, but it was almost like an envelope around the whole thing because it wasn't like when you macerate, it gets very liquidy. That didn't happen. So that salmon really cured and stayed super moist. It was a lot of fun. But we did that with a charred scallion grit, and then I did a smoked cauliflower corn and white bean succotash, which if you go over to my Instagram right now and you go back a couple days, you'll be able to see the video that I did where I was, I was tossing all that corn um, in the saute pans and I brought it over with the cauliflower and we kind of mixed it all right there on the table. It was a great dish. I really like that succotash. I like to create a dish. You know, we all know what succotash is. It's corn and lima beans. You know, that's the idea of that initial stage of succotash. I wanted to do something a little different. So we replaced the limas with the white bean. Um, you know, I added that charred corn in there plus that smoked cauliflower. Totally yawning. Sorry about that. It's early on a morning. I'm sorry, guys. So really, really neat dish. Then from there, I went into a backyard London broil. And what I did was I took a, a flank steak, which we marinated like we would a London broil. A lot of times you can use an Italian dressing or something like that. I really like the idea of a quote unquote French dressing um, or a Russian dressing to have that, that marinade for it. So I did a little bit of an emulation with that where what I did was I took mayonnaise and ketchup and mustard, little tiny bit of mustard and, and seasoning and apple cider vinegar and horseradish and salt and pepper. And, you know, we make this really nice kind of paste. Then we marinate the steak in that and just let it sit for 24 hours. And it makes a really, really nice flavoring throughout the whole thing. Um, so we did that. And that was super fun because from that dish, we ended up going with, um, we used a little bit of the, uh, we braised collard greens with an IPA. Um, and then I did a salt and herb roasted sweet and Idaho potato gratin that was super fun. Took uh, salt and herbs, added a little olive oil to it, crushed the outside of a sweet potato as well as an Idaho potato, and we baked them off. And then you bake them off until they're just fork tender, cool them down, slice them into about a half inch thick, 
rounds. And then what we did was we layered them and then topped them with three cheeses, a whole bunch of herbs and garlic and all that. And then we bake it off. So I get this really nice crust, nice crusty gratin over top of these potatoes. And it's super easy to serve to mass people because look, if you've got six people, you lay six kind of layers out. We did three Idaho and three of the sweet potatoes on top of each other that end up being about four inches long. And it's a really nice way to do it. I sprinkled bacon fat over top of the whole thing. A lot of fun. And then I finished off, well, we finished that off with the John Wayne uh, Demi-Gloss. So one of their stouts that they have, 5440 has, um, we finished it off with a, uh, a, uh, a really nice Demi-Gloss for that. It was beautiful. I was pretty happy with that. Um, then we ended up doing a 50, uh, 5440 uh, uh, John Wayne Stout Bread Pudding. So it's three different types of bread that I had. Um, and we do a hop sugar, a hop and brown sugar crusted fried toasted almond and cardamom ice cream. Say that three times really fast. But what I do is I take toffee and I mix that toffee with hops, really nice, fresh hops. Toss it all together with a little bit of brown sugar. And then we did a sticky toffee uh, uh, kind of tweel a little bit on the side of that. But they did that almond and and cardamom ice cream, which was so brilliant for it because that rich buttery flavor of that almond going in with that custard. Look, and this custard's weird that I do for the bread pudding because the custard itself is, you know, for this recipe, it was 50 ounces of, of beer. And it was 50 ounces of sugar and 50 egg yolks. And what we did was we ribboned all the egg yolks and the milk together and added that beer into it and created this super rich custard that we then soak overnight with the bread. And then I cook that bread pudding in a water bath for five hours. So it's a really neat recipe and it's super cool the way it comes together. Um, but we, we had a lot of fun putting that together. And the guys at, at Line and Laura out at A&A, we're just brilliant in their execution, and I really appreciate that so much. So big virtual handshake out to those guys for what it is that they put together. I appreciate it. Then from there, I got to go to Vegas, man. Flew directly from Vancouver into Vegas and had four hardcore days of work. You know, day one is all prep. We're getting all the mise en place, getting all the food together for it. At the same time, I'm meeting with the brand managers for each piece of equipment because I like to get an idea of what each piece of equipment does, even if I've used it before, because there's so many new things. And this is a weird part about what I do because I'm not a salesman. I don't get involved in any of that. But what I try to do is just educate. And I think we're going to hear about that a little bit later. But um, for me, it was really fun to do these demos. I did five to six demos a day in front of, you know, a couple hundred people. We just banged it out. We feed 50 at a shot. Um, you know, so not only am I cooking on all these different pieces of equipment, but then on top of that, we're doing these super live informative demos in 25 minutes. So three dishes on three to four different pieces of equipment in 25 minutes. Think about that. It's just, it's just mayhem of us putting it together because I'm cooking from scratch. You know, it's not like I'm cooking caramelized onions, but I'm doing a pasta that we have, you know, ground sausage that goes into it and cauliflower and julienne red onions and chopped herbs and garlic. And, you know, there's so much mise en place that comes together for that. So um, got to hang out with some of my good friends. Linky Mare was out there, one of my mess lord girls that I love hanging out with. And her assistant Kelly was with her. Jojo was with me. So we really got to play around and have a lot of fun. And then... From there, I took the red eye on Thursday night into uh, the Mohegan Sun event up in Connecticut, which was 
just such an amazing event, man. From the moment that I got there, from the moment they picked me up, it's just pure professionalism. And, you know, they treat you like rock stars. You go and you check in, you get into this beautiful suite, huge gift packages there. Um, I went down a little bit later and checked into the kitchen, banged out all my prep. I did a, uh, I did a Cubano grilled cheese where I took um, uh, Gruyere and Locatelli uh, and goat cheese. And we make this great mix with chopped herbs and um, mustard goes into it. And then we added some pit ham, some pulled pork and a whole bunch of barbecue spice. We put it in between two pieces of bread, make these beautiful grilled cheese. I did a, uh, a charred tomato, sweet corn uh, and caramelized onion tomato or uh, 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 chowder that we serve it with. So it was really fun. We had a lot of time, a lot of cool stuff, hang out with all my buddies. You know, all our good chef guys are out there. You know, Chef Kev, um, Kev D out of uh, Kevin DeShane from, from Rhode Island or New Hampshire. You know, uh, God, who else was out there? Jason Santos and David Rose and, you know, all the good people, Michelle Regussis and um, Aron Sanchez and Mark Murray and Manit Chohan and, uh, you know, uh, Amanda Freytag and just a lot of really cool people. It was just an amazing event. And um, Mohegan does it off the hook every year, just so over the top, put on such an amazing event. So it's really kind of neat. And I, and I appreciate it. I get to go out and do that stuff. So um, so that's what I got for you guys this week. Uh, I'm home I'm very happy that I'm home this week. The whole week I'm going to be in the restaurant, you know, kind of organizing, pulling stuff back together. I'm pretty stoked about that. So um, so that's what I got for this week. But uh, I'm hoping you guys are going to enjoy my next guest. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor uh, and welcome Joe Anchinchuli, also known as JoJo, to Duffified Lot. Good morning, JoJo. Good morning, Chef Bridev. <laughs> I love how you're using my Instagram slash <laughs> Twitter name, despite the fact that we've known each other for almost 12 years. You know, it's insane. I know. I know. So, Joe, why don't you do me a favor real quick? Tell us who you are, what you do, and how people can find you. Uh, well, my name is Joanne Chanchuli. That's a nice uh, Irish Jewish. name there. I like the Jewish <laughs> name there. It is. Um, Ava Nagila. And I am a culinary producer and food stylist and cookbook author. And my website is dirtydishesmedia.com. And my Insta is Dirty Dishes Jojo. I love it. Where did Dirty Dishes come from? I made it up when I was, when my first book came out, I realized I had to come up with something clever. And I've seen, it's kind of a double entendre. I've seen some. Dirty dishes in my time uh, right. working in TV, um, some stuff that goes on. So it just felt fitting and the pun, and I just thought it was it was funny. So and JoJo, um, I got that nickname from Tyler Florence when we first worked together in 1999 on Food 911, and he just started calling me JoJo, and it and it took. I mean, you call me JoJo. Pretty much everybody does now. So I, I call you Joe. I rarely call you Joanne. I will always call you Joe, and I throw JoJo in every now and then. Yes, it's weird. I don't know. Um, okay, so you mentioned Tyler Florence. So real quick, can you give us just the name of some of the fun chefs that you've worked with? And then I'm yeah. gonna, and then I want to dive in deeper to that. 
but but name some of the people that you've worked with. Well, as far as um, TV, well, my first really big show was Food 911 with Tyler Florence, and then I did Tyler's Ultimate, um, et cetera. Um, um, I've, I've produced a lot of uh, cooking shows, MasterChef being one of them. So I've worked with Gordon and Graham Elliott and uh, Joe Bastianich. Um, that was a big one. Uh, Top Chef I did. So obviously Gail Simmons. I didn't know you and, did Top Chef. I did. And Top Chef Master. So Curtis Stone, for instance, I've worked with several times. Um, as far as books, I mean, I did Tyler's uh, first two books, but uh, I co-authored Michael Mina's uh, cookbook. And Michael Schwartz, who is a James uh, Beard uh, award-winning chef out of Miami. He's amazing. Um, Lemonade, which is a uh, Los Angeles uh, chain, food chain with Chef Alan Jackson. Love that. Um, yeah, he's pretty great. Aron Sanchez's first book. Um, Did you really? Book- Did you talk? Yeah. Oh, I was just with Aron this week. Let me rephrase that. Aron and I were at the same event this week. <laughs> yes. Huge difference. Yeah, he's terrific. So that was his first book. And I know he just came out with his memoir, which I'm so proud of him. Really? Why do you? I don't get the memoir this early in life. Uh I don't get it. Anyway. Uh, Yeah, he's young. He's very young. Yeah, he's young. So um, who am I forgetting? Oh, Lever House. Dan Silverman in New York. There was a restaurant called Lever House, and I worked on that. Um. And then I have my own book, which is uh, called Meet Me at 3rd and Fairfax, which is an homage to the corner of 3rd and Fairfax in Los Angeles, which is like basically the first co-op. It's where immigrants came to L.A. and started selling their food out out of the back of their trucks. And one thing led to another. And it's it's been here 80 years. So um, it, it is. It's it's. Kind of amazing. So, and then my latest book is with um, Michelin star chef uh, Josiah Citrine, and it, that came out in May, and it's called Charcoal. And I think you own it. I do. So I'm happy for that. It's I do. Really I bought terrific. the book. I bought your last two books, Joe. Okay. Well, a care package is coming your way. I did. I bought Lemonade. I was so stoked for Lemonade because you talked about that for a while. And Lemonade, you were working on Lemonade while we were doing... And by the way, you left Bar Rescue out of that. Oh, oh, of not books, but the fabulous celebrity chefs that I worked with, such as yourself. Now, I'm really... I hate that whole title. Look, I get it. I'm on for it. I understand it. I'm not a fan of it. Celebrity chef? Yeah, more chefs. Why? Like, do do you say celebrity... Leonardo DiCaprio. Right, exactly. Uh, apparently, I heard, I don't know if this is true or a rumor, that Wolfgang Puck puts as his occupation on his taxes, cook. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, which I love. Fucking brilliant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love, love. I think that's all I'm going to do that from now on. It's like <laughs> Chad Rosenthal. Chad changed his Instagram or his, uh, his Twitter from Chef Chad Rosenthal to Cook Chad Rosenthal. <laughs> I think it's great. I yeah, love it. Head, head bottle washer. Or my favorite is I had business cards once that said that chef guy. Because I used to get all that all the time. Like, aren't you that chef guy? <laughs> so all my business cards that said that chef guy. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I know. I like it. So, okay. So, Joe, uh, you and I met on Bar Rescue. Uh, first season, I believe. In, in, at Downey's in Philadelphia. At Downey's in Philadelphia. And actually, 
that was the first episode that aired. But weren't you in Chicago with us as well on the first episode? Yes, we went to Chicago and it was swanky something, right? No, that was Philly with swanky bubbles. Oh, swanky bubbles. Chicago. I just remember our epic dinner at David Burke's Steakhouse, to be honest. That was so much fucking fun. So well, there was a producer, just so everybody understands, there was a, there was a producer, uh, was he a producer or an AD? Josh Oliver was the AD. I loved him. What a nice guy. Yeah. Is he still in the business? I'm not certain. I'm not yeah. really certain. Josh Oliver, if you're out there and you're listening, I'm going <laughs> to tweet Instagram, Facebook you today. Uh, we want to know if you're still out there. I have a picture of the three of us walking <laughs> along the river. Yes. I had a hat on and a brown and white sweater and you were standing right behind me and Josh was in front of us. And this was after either, was it before we went into the meat cellar? I think it was after, cause I have that same picture too. It's one of my favorites. They really captured the, the whole night. Yeah. Really great. It was stuff. a fun show to do. It was a lot of fun. There were a lot of, I mean, look in the infancy of it, I thought there was a lot of fun for the show. Yeah. My job was a little hard. Your job was tough as shit. No, your job was tough as shit. You had to, so what did you have to do for rescue? For bar rescue, it was very different than, first of all, being the first season, you don't have that audience yet. And so, or the budget. Let's make sure everybody well, understands. That, exactly. So part of my job was doing what's called trade outs, where I would call, let's say, Anchor Hawking for glassware. Um, uh, whoever, to get to get the things needed that Hobart slicer, for instance, to get free things. <laughs> Enough said, uh, asterisk. <laughs> uh, onto the show because the budget was exactly, as you said, it was, we haven't proven ourselves yet and, on Spike. So, um, and then uh, aside from all of that, the renovations of the kitchen, making sure, especially working with chef and the mixologist. So my job was working with, with you and how you would change the menu. So you would analyze the menu and Downey's, okay, I want a fish and chip. I want a Philly pizza. You kind of come up with a concept. And then it was up to me to. Careful, careful. Uh, to shop it out. Careful. What? We, what? we oh. remember. Well, I was okay. never allowed okay. to say that I did something. Okay. I always had to say that we did something. Sorry. Well, you, you and I, you mean? No, not so much <laughs> you and me there, baby. <laughs> There were other fat poor, there were other forces that were above us that made sure that it was um, recognized as a team effort being led by one individual, more, somewhat more than others. Okay, that's yeah. fair. But yeah. um, like but the I menu, you, yes, I do. But Good. so I would do that, and then work with the mixologists also on getting equipment that they needed, um, getting their menus typed up. Um, getting obviously the spirits, doing a recipes. trade out with a, with a liquor company recipes, um, all of that. And then doing a lot of dirty work, especially at Downey's oh, that God. basement was, uh, what the fuck were you doing in that? Like, can I tell you, honestly, I, I went into the basement probably. <laughs> so well, I worked at Downey's for two years prior to all of this stuff happening. And that was in let's say 99 to 2001. Why the fuck were you in the basement? This is where the walk-in was. Oh my God, that you were in the front <laughs> basement. I forgot. <laughs> Holy shit. I for, forgot. So I had to clean. So that was also part of my job because, oh you know, it's camera. So they would, if they wanted something to be turned over, 
you know, so you show it a mess like the before and after. The after had to be, you know, epic. So I was getting cases of produce and dressing the walk-in so it just looks like a garden or whatever instead of... Fuck the uh, case of lemons. Just give me the box. <laughs> whatever. They, whatever <laughs> when we got there, so... Um, so that was an interesting, you know, that, that was one of a kind bar rescue because when I do competition, it's very different, like a top chef, a master chef, something like that. Or when I do a, a proper cooking show, like I worked on Jada at home or it's something or a, a simply delicioso with Ingrid Hoffman. And those kind of food network shows are more quote unquote, like in the kitchen. Right. So those, the, the, that job is very different where you're, shooting everything two to three times. So I'm making sure there's me's and plus like for every time and everything matches and the talking points of maybe there's an obscure ingredient that's going to need the chef host to say something about. So the viewers at home are not like, you know, where did that ham come from? Right. Or what's yucca? Right. What's, you know, so um, yeah. And what was it, I mean, what was the hardest part of doing rescue? The turn or the pace. Uh, yeah. It was for real. I believe Nancy, who led the um, production, she was the production designer, art director. She Hadley? was in charge. Yes, she I was in charge, that. obviously. I love. I just talked to um, her last week. You did? Yeah, I want her to be. I want her to be at the nightclub and bar show. She needs to speak about what she does. She's I think it's amazing. a very important part of what she does is that design and how a lot of people don't think about the design. It's true, and we really did only have the forty-eight hours. So she and her crew work all night while I was, you know, shopping or trying to get pots, pans, glassware, and and stage it all. In, right. So I think I think that for me was the hardest part, the turnaround. I mean, we I I definitely did not get my eight hours sleep. I could tell you that. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then so like I mean, let's talk about Top Chef. I mean, how insane was the process? Well, no, fuck. I want to go back. I want to go back to rescue. I want I want to do a little bit more of this because I want to know a little bit more about like I mean, you guys were obviously in the locations prior to any of us were. You know, you already had a little bit of the lay of the land of going in. I mean, and you did how many seasons? Three? Two. Two, first and second. Correct. Right, because then your last was in Orange County. I believe so. The the dive under the five? The dive under the five. <laughs> oh, my God, that place was so weird. I wish they had smell-o-vision for that bar because as bad as it looked, the stench... Well, the walk-in, I remember going into the walk-in and they had all of the lemons and limes in there and every one of them was moldy. Like I picked one up and it just, it like, it almost disintegrated in my hand and it just turned into dust. Yeah. So there was a lot of that. That, I mean, again, that was also very hard for a bar rescue aside from the turnaround, quite frankly, the filth. Yeah. The the rats, the roaches, the, you know, the, just the, just the, you know was really difficult for me and because it was you know an infant only the first two seasons i didn't have right. an assistant not, not so it's just me who had to go in and like, like a maniac scrub yeah it was it was really that part was tough too i was like wow yeah you know, because it's not fake i don't know if people think oh 
those bars aren't really that gross. They are, folks. They're bad. <laughs> I mean, they're really bad. I mean, the whole concept of what a lot of these people were doing was really, I mean, it was, you know, it was neglect across the board, you know, for so many of these owners that just got to a point that they just didn't give a shit. And it's funny because that whole, like, I've always run very clean kitchens and, and all of that, you know, I mean, we're very clean with what we do, but it's funny how it changed my vision of restaurants when I then went in to do a lot more consulting because I created a whole new set of standards. Okay, here's your cleaning list for the day. This has to be done at the end of every day. This is your weekly cleaning list. You know, this has to be done. So I changed a lot of that. Like my my place in Philly, my staff does a walkthrough with a video. They do a, send me a video at the end of every day. Excellent. To make sure that everything's turned off. You know what's funny? My guy didn't do it Sunday night. Guess what? The fucking lights were left on for two and a half days. So I'm really happy to pay that electric bill. But anyway, back to where we were. So, I mean, so Top Chef being a completely different world, budget-wise, staff-wise, organization-wise, turnaround-wise. I mean, what were some of the crazy shit that you guys did with Top? Oh, so that was was seven-day weeks. I mean, no joke. And 15-hour days, really hard. And, um... Because you have all these, especially in the beginning when there's 12, right? So I set up a master pantry and a master equipment list, which includes like molecular stuff. And I mean, like agar, agar plus equipment and dehydrators. And it's just massive the amount of equipment and produce I have to order and keep track of. Now, how do you, how do you know, I mean, what's your, how do you know what to have on, I mean, who creates a spreadsheet with all of that information? Me. I mean, I but do. how do you know what to go into starting? I mean, how long were you on the show? What was your, from? Oh, I, I did three, I want to say I did three seasons and then the finale of, was it all stars in the Bahamas, which was rough. Um, getting food flown in oh from Miami. Oh. Tell me what you told me the other day about <laughs> that it would cost less money to get a helicopter. Would it cost less money to get a helicopter <laughs> to fly back to Florida to pick up the food and bring it back over into the Bahamas as the opposed Atlantis to to try and get it delivered, especially because, and that's also the thing with Top Chef and Top Chef Masters. They would change the the, the executive producers who I adore. Like they are one of the best production companies ever that I've Who ever produced worked with. That? Magical Elves. Got it. Yeah, that's right. They're amazing people, like from top all down. Just just great. And they're but, consistently good. They do a lot of good shows. They they're amazing. But yeah. they would change things. I remember I think it was Masters on a Sunday morning and we were shooting downtown in a warehouse. It's like we were about to do a quick fire and like an hour before they're like, Can you get live eel? <laughs> for this quick fire and I'm like uh, how do you say you can't say no I because it was no like on a Sunday live eel at 8 o'clock in the morning is really difficult right. so I just was like let me work on that you know you try your best but I have definitely uh gone out of my way to get very obscure um like we did a, a live bug challenge for masters for a quick fire and that was pretty epic what, is that an um, Amazon purchase or do you, is there a bug store? <laughs> there was a, uh, I don't think they're here anymore. There was a restaurant here that I can't recall that really specialized in that. 
Um, and let me ask you a question. Is that restaurant still open? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. No, but um, yeah. So, so that was, and the pace of how fast it goes, because after a quick fire, they all bail in the kitchen. You would think a bomb went off when, oh, when of you course. see how, how all the tables are set. And then I'm running beauty shots. So they make, so for instance, for a quick fire, they make one for uh, Padma and perhaps the guest uh, chef judge to taste as they walk around. And then they make a second one for me to bring over to the table to shoot those beauty shots. So, and then some things, you know, let's say it has arugula or microgreens. Well, it's not going to hold for an hour. So there's a lot of me pulling stuff off and putting it back on because in a competition show, I can't do my normal food styling that I would, you know. By the way, you guys have to understand when Joe does food styling, she actually has a tool belt (laughs) that she wears around her waist and it has every, no, hold on. I have something for that. And she comes over with like purple tweezers, green tweezers, yellow tweezers. And pastry brushes, and it's it's kind of cool. I like it. Yeah, when I did your show, when I did an opening night, I brought actually my I have an actual tool box, like somebody would keep hammers and stuff in, and then I wear the belt for things that I just need immediately. But I have everything. Like you I know. remember one time you're like, "Do you want me to bring plates?" Yeah. We did. Where was that? That was in uh, that was in San Jacinto. Were you, I think you drove in and brought plates. Yeah. I bought a lot of things. I bought pepper mills. I brought a lot of things because I wanted to make sure you had so what you needed. With, 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 and I know we're going all over the place with this. So each chef, like you, each chef has one thing about them that like, you know, I, I mean, so let's say Tyler Florence, what is one thing about with like with Tyler Florence when he's working that you know that he needs? Espresso. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> Nancy Silverton. Oh my God! I just saw her again. She's, she's just epic. I mean, honestly. Of course. Uh, it depends on what she's making. She's well. All chefs. You know, we were talking about this. They all have their own ways of cooking and their own uh, particular style style exactly and things that they like you know and and i was we were talking about this when we were just in vegas working it's like there's many great ways to cook and so many chefs i learn every time i collaborate with a chef on a book or on a tv show i learn something new i mean i just learned from you um a new way to julianne an onion for instance right and it's I can right do it. Okay. So you know. It's the duffified way. Everybody else does it wrong. <laughs> so I, there's a million ways to cook, and, and I just feel like there's only one bad way, which is like not caring, not putting love and being sloppy, et cetera. Right. But all of these chefs have their own particular passions and the way they do things that I'm always like, oh, gosh, I didn't know that. So what? All right. So what's what's it really like working with me? Oh, I adore you. <laughs> and I adore you as well. Oh so what God. are, give me something that you're like, fuck, here we go again. No, you, you are singular in that. And I, I really mean this. And most chefs have this quality, but you are like the umpteenth degree. You really want to teach, right. whether it's a culinary student there that's learning here. Let me show you how to do cabbage in the core. Here's or an onion or this, that, whatever. 
you really are an educator at heart. And I, whether it's me, a student, your chefs at your restaurant, the people, home cooks that are coming to see your demo or the audience uh, in the fourth wall of a TV screen, you really are full of uh, knowledge. And you're also, obviously, you're an amazing chef. But the, the knowledge is just mind-blowing. I don't know how you keep all of that in your brain, but I'm happy you do. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, and, where, and, where, how am I, and what am I a pain in the ass? Uh, when you change things last minute and don't tell me and expect it to be there. <laughs> <laughs> we did. So to give everybody an idea... <laughs> Joe and I worked together on Bar Rescue. We worked together on my show opening night, and we uh, Joe has come has has we've basically cooked all over the country for the last year, doing all of this stuff with General Electric with their appliance division through hire and all that. It's been a blast. We have a lot of fun, and then for the and it all kind of came to it, it all kind of came to this last week when we were in Vegas, and. We do like five demos a day, six demos a day sometimes, and they start early in the morning and there's a lot of prep for it and there's a lot that has to be done for it. And I get up on stage and I just start cooking and I know that I have to do this, this or this. And then what I would say is like, hey, I want to do extra omelets today or I want to do fried eggs. And you're like, okay, you have six eggs to do fried eggs. (laughs) That's what you have. And I use eight. Right. And I think it's important to know that these demos, uh, these five demos, each had three recipes yeah. and they were supposed to be only 25 minutes long. But you just go above and beyond like most people were just doing one demo. But that amount of food when there's three, each yeah. of the five is a lot of meats and then serving the people and getting things done ahead of time so people aren't standing around without a sample to, to savor. So, um, savor. Good. You're good. (laughs) But it was, it was great. And, um, very different than the ones that we've done that are just, you know, not a convention, but the the culinary students killed it. Yeah. They were great without them. So we had a good crew and I'm going to get, we got to get everything together because you're sending them some stuff and I'm sending them some stuff as well. I'm going to send them a couple cookbooks. Yeah. Um, they're fun. I mean, I, I love doing those. That's my whole thing. And I knew, cause I know you were freaked out. You were like, what the fuck do you mean? I got to do six demos in a day. You're like, I, I, it takes us four hours to prep for one. What do you mean? We got to do six in a day or whatever it is. So I knew you were freaked out, but I knew you'd crush it. There was no doubt in my mind. Yeah. And yes. you, and you also got hurt. I, we're not, gonna, are we not yeah. discussing that? We can, that I face planted at the, Outside we were walking, Joe and I walked to one, one of my favorite bars <laughs> called the Double Down. And we went into the Double Down and then we were all standing outside. We're pretty spent. We're pretty tired. And we were getting, like we were about to call an Uber. And I looked across the street and there was a taco truck. Well, anybody who knows me that if I see a taco truck, there's a 95% chance that I'm going to stop at that taco truck. If I've passed it, I'm going to make a U-turn and I'm going to go back to the truck. <laughs> And and granted, I mean, look, if it's a shithole, I'm probably not going to stop. But there's a 95% chance that I'm going to stop at that taco truck. So we walk across the street. We look up at the truck. We read the menu. We get really fucking excited. (laughs) And then I'm like, all right, cool. I'll have the pastor. Don't have it. I'll have the chorizo. Don't have it. 
You're like, well, what about the carnitas? Don't have it. Oh, my God. I'm like, what the fuck kind of, what do you guys, a nacho <laughs> truck? Or can I get nachos? No. It's and it was like, kill. it was like a Thursday night or something. Wasn't it? It was like a Wednesday. Yeah, something like that. But and so we turn around. We're, we turn around with zero food in hand, I'll have everybody know. And we go to walk across the street. And you were pretty close behind me, but I stepped up onto the curb and you did not. I missed it, yeah. And you almost died. I, I just don't. I know, I know. The brick wall was about two inches away from your head. Okay. When you fell, I was like, oh, fuck. But Joe wakes up the next morning and is still, we had to walk what? I don't know, a mile to get to our location? Every day I did 14,000 steps. Yeah, I I know. It was the same thing. Every day we had to walk from the hotel. We stayed at the Renaissance in Vegas right next to the convention center. Which a lot of people are like, oh, that sucks. But in reality, when you're doing the stuff that we do, which is get there first thing in the morning, leave at the end of the day. Uh, you don't want to sit in line and wait for an Uber. I don't want to take a bus. So it was really cool that we could walk right across. Yep. I'm really happy that GE got that hotel for us. But with that being said, we also had to walk a mile plus to get to the location. Which a mile doesn't seem like a lot, but when you crush your knee on a curb the night before, it's a lot. I did it. No chair, didn't sit down once. I did it. You know. <laughs> it was fucking- well, that's like in a kitchen. It's like the chef cuts themselves or cook, the line cook cuts themselves. You know, like you put crazy glue on it. And a finger shot or whatever. We used to put that on. We used to put that on. Look, I have more kids that have gone to the hospital and have come back to work for three or four days. Because I get it. Look, if you work in an office and you hurt, whatever, you go home, you take sick time, you do that. But it's not the way it works in restaurants. You cut yourself, you come back to work after. Right. It's like this. It's like I got to just muscle through it, take some Advil, put some ice on it, and arnica. Which arnica, get that fucking arnica. Thanks, Linky Mate. <laughs> he's like, did you put the arnica on? I did. Meanwhile, I'm like, smoke a joint and sit back and relax. <laughs> you know, but um, but they're fun and it's a cool. I, I love. Oops. I mean, I love the whole setting. Once we get out there and do it, I'm glad you did it this year. I'm really glad. Yeah, so now, here, so how did you? So you're from New York. I am. You're from Brooklyn. No, I'm originally from Strong Island. Okay. And um, I, my parents, well, my dad bought a restaurant in Forest Hills, Queens called Bonavia. And oh, he bought it from Lydia Bastianich. I mean, she, Holy shit. So it was her first restaurant in Queens before she opened for Lydia in, in Manhattan. So she right. basically was like, I'm going to the big city. So my father, I was about 12, bought that restaurant. And my mother, even though my parents were divorced, was like worked there too and would drive to Queens yeah, back so and forth. Yeah, that whole thing. So I never worked in the restaurant, but I kind of grew up in a restaurant family, if that right. makes sense. And then I went um, to NYU film school. Uh, so I lived in Manhattan. And then after that, I was like, I want to go to Hollywood and read the trades because I want to work in production, right? I want to work in a studio. And that's exactly what I did. I moved out to L.A. when I was about 22. And I worked for a senior VP of production at 20th Century Fox. This is under, like, Barry Diller. This is a long time ago. This is the early 90s. 
And after like a year or so, I was like, can we make a movie already and stop with the notes? Like, this is just like, <laughs> I, I'm like, this is crazy. So one thing led to another. And I ended up doing this TV show with this nutritionist and uh, which was syndicated. And the director producer was like, I'm starting There's this new network called Food Network. And I'm doing a pilot called Food 911, where we solve people's culinary quandaries in their own kitchen. Like, why does my souffle flop? Or why does my meringue weep and get so watery in my lemon meringue pie? Whatever it is, they would write it. And it obviously made Tyler Florence a star. But it was like the right place, right time that I made the decision to take this, to create a hybrid career of the production background that I had had from my schooling and obviously working in a studio and this love of food. Because once I moved out to L.A., I I really started cooking quite a bit and with the restaurant background. And it just clicked where it was like this marriage of these two worlds and nobody knew what to call me. It would be like the food girl, the food segment. producer. So I came up with the title culinary producer, which I should have trademarked. Yeah. um, Because I was like, that sounds that's kind of nice ring. And uh, one thing led to another. And I started doing basically all the West Coast shows for Food Network. I did uh, a show after Food 911. I did Calling All Cooks. I did the Wolfgang Puck show um, and a bunch of other ones. And then from there, competition started soon after. And uh, and there you have it. But that's how I did my first book, actually, was Tyler. After Food 911, he got a book deal and he was like, you write all the recipes for the show. Um, cause back then you did everything. I shopped, I food styled, I wrote the talking points, the background package. Oh my God. Um, you know, followed the recipes, which he would change on the fly. So I would make sure <laughs> I'd set, you know, well, the things change. So like in his mind, like that's the one thing you can count on with chefs is change. Yeah. And, and I, I think, adapt. And I think, but I also think we're good at it. Yes. I think that's one of the reasons I really love working with chefs is I feel like chefs have the personality of like four pots on the stove, changing on a dime, really quick, quick minded, quick hands, got a lot going on, a lot of balls in the air. And I'm, whether it's TV or especially books, I'm the one that's, yes, I can bounce around, but I'm the focused person. I'm the one that is like, okay, but we need to finish this recipe or I'm sorry, how much did you want a tablespoon? Did you want? Right. Yeah. So I'm the one because all of my recipes work. I'm, I I really am you a stickler. Oh, yeah. I'm a stickler for sure. recipes that work in cookbooks. I mean, they are tested two or three times. So, uh, yeah. So after Tyler's first book, I kind of the publisher was like, Tyler, you didn't write this yourself, did you? And he was yeah. like, no, I had the, you know, my culinary producer from the show and they were like she's really good and one and then my second book was around um same publisher and one thing led to another yeah so um yeah so now i have 13 books looking for the 14th duffy so let's get on the stick but you and you're so funny about it because you're like (laughs) you're like i would love to do a book with you but you're like you have you gotta have you gotta be ready you gotta dedicate the time you can't be running all over the country and doing all this other shit because we miss deadlines. We miss money. 
Great. And think about really what you want to do. Maybe you should ask your listeners if you're going to put out a, a cookbook. Sure or, right. You know what? Yeah. You're absolutely right. I need to do What that. do they want yeah. from you? Like, do they, they want to buy the book? Do they want barbecue? Do they want the Philly experience? Do they want more industry? Of Because you have such a wealth of knowledge. So maybe it's more not home cook, but chef to chef. I don't know. It's, it's, let's, let's put it out there. Yeah. What do you guys want? I just wrote that down. That's, I just wrote that down. Sorry. Jerry hates it when I don't talk into the microphone. Um, it's funny. I did a demo. I did a demo on Saturday when I was up at Mohegan that you would have loved. Um, cause the, the stovetop didn't work. <laughs> Only one burner out of the three worked and I was making it, I was doing a fall apple stew, like a fall chicken stew with apples and apple cider and all this cool shit that went into it. And then I was doing a basmati fried rice with my favorite thing ever, which is a fried egg. Well, the only thing I could make was the fried egg. So it was pretty funny. We ended up actually, I I got one of the burners to work a little bit better. So I ended up making that fried rice, but it was a riot. It was really funny. And the whole time after coming away from what we just did with such high end pieces of equipment and, you know, all of that adjusting recipes and all that stuff, it was just pretty funny because I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Here's the deal, boys and girls. This is what we're going to make instead. And I was like, Jojo would be flipping out. She'd be, be, you'd be in the back checking, checking the, the, the circuit breakers. You'd be calling the electric company. Yeah, exactly. I would have had that. I would have discovered it the day before you. Way before. Yeah. I would have test. I always test equipment on whether it's your demos or uh, a food TV show, because it's awful if a chef goes to work at something and it doesn't work. I mean, yeah. it's bad. So I make sure I test everything um, first. I mean, and one of the cool things that I, one of the reasons why I like working with you so much besides your personality and, and, and the, re- the respect that I have for you is that you, you have changed a lot of the way that I do stuff because you think stuff out way ahead of time. You know, like where's the closest grocery store? You're like, it's 2.2 miles away to the West or there's an Aldi, 1.6 miles away, but I already called them, but they don't have good scallops. So we're going to have to go over there. But on the way there, we have to stop at the pizza place, which is 1.3 miles away. And it's off to the left, even though we have, to, I mean, you're like, you're so ori- detail oriented. And I think that it's such a great thing to watch because from watching you go from the production side into this side where we do these demos and we get to travel and, you know, do some cool stuff as well. It's fun to watch. You know I mean? Like I don't, I go in with very little fear or uncertainty of stuff. So thank you. Oh, oh thank you. That's really nice of you to say, yeah, I, I always show up my, with my blue tape and my Sharpie. Blue tape and Sharpie. <laughs> and you're like, I brought my own knives and then I, here's your gloves. I brought my own gloves this time. And you were like, well, I've got them too. So. Um, they're fun. I mean, I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, you shouldn't so I have think to it, worry about that. Like, your job is the equipment and the people and talking. Like, I want you to focus on being a chef and talent, not right. worry about, oh, sh- this stove doesn't work. Like, I, I take, that's my job is to, you know, make, make, make sure, sure you can shine without any hiccups as best where, I can. Where are some of the weirdest places that you've had to prepare or produce and by produced, I don't mean like 
like TV production. What, what are some of the weirdest scenarios that you've been put in? I mean, let's talk about a three story walk up in Boston. Oh my gosh. In an electric kitchen that you had to do porchetta or you had to do the bonzette. I had to do all of that and a one pound meatball stuff with, with Mott's. And a one pound meatball stuff with Mott's, <laughs> which I'll never put a fucking meatball on my menu. Right. There was a well, post about four weeks ago that was like, just so everybody knows, meatballs are back. Oh, really? Yeah, they're back. So, and what what's interesting about that that I'm not sure people know is I'm making like three, four, five of them because... Right of the way TV is, you know, again, there's always a beauty shot, um, which is separate. And sometimes chef likes to eat my beauty shot. So I like to have the backup just in case. Who, 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 who ate your beauty shot? Uh, I don't know. Duff. Me? When did I eat a beauty shot? The, the meatball. That was good. Fucking meatball. It. I know. I was like, dude, that was my beauty. Well, it's so funny because, and as I, but what's funny is that for everything that we did after that, I paused. I would pause and say, oh my God, let's try this. And I'd pause and be like, Joe, can I eat this? And you're like, hold on, let me come and set it up. And then it's yeah. like, you know, you take a picture of it, you go in the back, you make the same exact one, you know, and then it comes back out. So it's kind of funny the way that, you know, we go from the, one of those first or two things, you know, first or second things. And then that kind of groove comes into play. Right. You right. And you, even swap outs too. So it's not just a finished. So for instance, if something takes, more than, let's say, 10 minutes to cook or bake or whatever. Like, let's say it's caramelized onions. I will have a batch of that to swap out for you. So you're not standing there and production isn't standing With. there for 10, 10 minutes waiting right? Uh, on onions to soften. You know, nobody's yeah. got that kind of time in a production day. So I like um, that. I forgot. I should I want to make so that's what some of the stuff that I would like to do. I think when we move forward into a couple of other things like that, you know, maybe we discuss some of those like this is a caramelized onion. This is what the end result is. This is how it starts. This is what you do. I'm going to I'm going to do that next round. I like that. OK, thanks for reminding me. Anytime. So. So, I mean, you know, I mean, at your your vision of going to, to film school was what? What was your plan at 22 moving to New York? Well, in college, yeah, in college, I started as, as, as you do out of being the lead in the high school musical or whatever. I was a drama major uh, or a theater major and about to, and went to Strasbourg. So I studied the method and all of that. Strasbourg. Where's that? Uh, in New York city, the Lee Strasbourg Institute. Oh, oh yeah. There you go. Okay. Uh, and then after about two years, I was kind of like, eh, this isn't my jam. Um, and I was interning at a casting company and I really saw the cattle calls and just what a hard life being an actor in New York oh city is and the auditions and how they carry all these different outfits in a backpack to change from this commercial to this go see or whatever. And I was like, I don't think this, this is for me. So I switched to film and television and studied cinema studies and kind of really got into the behind was like I'm better behind the scenes I'm better at the producing and the the nuts and bolts as opposed to being rejected every day um, as an actor and running around so that was my switch and then I just was like I'm gonna try LA and I'm young and if 
if it doesn't work out, I'll learn a lesson and get a tan and come home back to New York with my tail <laughs> between my legs. And uh, shortly after moving here, there was the riots. And uh, that's right. Was that Rodney I, King? Yes. And I remember my mother being 92. 96, 92. No, 92. I remember my mother being like, New York City's safer. Come home. Right, right. <laughs> right. Come I back stuck, here. I stuck it through, through the earthquake, through everything. And it's been really good to me. You know, I've been here a long time. So, um, well, I'm I think you, you've happy. also made such a name for yourself with what you do. I mean, because, you know, I like, you know, I mean, I saw Govin the other day. I saw Betty. <sighs> you know, I see everybody. And I'm like, oh, by the way, I was just with JoJo this week, and they're like, oh, my God, I fucking love her. Tell her I said hi, or I'm going to have to call her. Or And holy shit, Betty. Right. It's awesome. Amazing. It's unbelievable. Yeah, amazing. They're such good. And we're such a L.A., and I'm sure it's like this anywhere, Philly or what have you. It's such a tight-knit group of chefs and people in that world, whether you're a food writer, et cetera. I, uh, we all know each other. I, like, I've known Govin. 15 years. I met Betty, funny enough, on Top Chef. She was a contestant on oh. season two. And back then, we obviously had a very different relationship because you're not allowed to really speak to them. It's very strict, the, the line, because you can't give, can't be friendly because then somebody will say, oh, you're partial or sure. whatever. Right. So she made, was, she made her stuff easy, look better than mine. Yeah. <laughs> she. <laughs> So uh, it's very different, but then we became really good friends. So uh, I'm thankful, you know, it's, I think this industry, unlike the movie industry, um, attracts nurturing people, yeah. attracts people that maybe are somewhat people pleasers, but really have a genuine love for people and food and sharing and or conviviality and all that. And, and you know, I, I couldn't be happier. I don't think I would have made it by studio system, honestly. It's a weird, that's, I mean, that's a tough world. It's such a cutthroat business. It changes so fast. I, I couldn't, I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it out there. And yeah. the goddamn traffic. I wouldn't do that either. So. Okay. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> just where I am. So what's going on? So what's coming up next? What's your, I mean, what are your big, you know, I know you just got finished doing a huge thing with Nancy. I did. It's a new app um, that's launching in April or May where it's, you're cooking. It's like lessons, but it's also has that documentary style um, uh, quality that uh, Chef's Table has, so to speak, right. like where they give the background. It's not just tutorials. Um, so I just finished that and I'm very excited because um, I've worked with Nancy before as she's been a judge in, in, uh, on shows that I've, I've worked on, but I've never cooked side by side with her. So, uh, and a lot of it was in her own kitchen, which was just a privilege and is so Nancy. I mean, all the gadgets and the antiques and the, uh, she's just, it was really, really a privilege. So, um, uh, I, I'm looking for works so for anybody out there that has a, cookbook <laughs> or a TV show. So I'm, yeah. So that's my next, you know, goal really is to get the, the next one going. Cause I, I don't know if you even know this cookbooks are not like 
magazines or newspapers, they take about two years. Yeah. So from start to finish. So let's say, so at first you write a book proposal, which is basically your business plan, if you will, of what your book is, the title, the table of contents, some sample recipes, who you are, marketing, comparative titles, what the overview is. And then that gets shopped around to publishers. And then hopefully you get a bidding war or whatever, and it sells. Then there's the contract phase. And then they give you an advance and say, okay, here's some money to go basically produce this book. And you say that that on average, it's about 90 grand. It depends. I mean, it depends. I mean, I wouldn't say that for like Ina Garten or Martha Stewart, for instance. I'm sure there's a way more. I think it depends um, on what the concept is. Is it a restaurant only book, like a specific, this is just about one restaurant, like for instance, Lemonade, okay, or Crossroads with Tal Ronit. Um, is about one restaurant as opposed to it being something a little bit more national um, appeal. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, it depends and it depends on the publisher, but I know I'm thankful that cookbooks and children's books are the only ones that still really people want to touch the pages. They're not so much Kindle or tablet kind of thing. I, they want to get the pages dirty or dog ear the pages. And so. And they want to uh, highlight, they want to make the changes. I know yeah. a lot of people that make notes, you know, I know the, you know, I mean, my mother still, I mean, she loves a book. My sister loves a book. Um, and, and plus it kind of leads you down. Uh, it leads you down a journey. I think that book, you know, you can look up a recipe for etouffee online, or you can pull up a great book about classic New Orleans cuisine. And the next thing you know, you're not just making a great etouffee. You're learning, you know, the different styles you're learning about different, you know, versions of it. And right. so I, yeah, I'm still a cookbook guy. I, and I'll be honest, I have your books in my restaurant. There, they're on my, they're on my, they're on my, uh, I have a bookshelf right by the cabinet. Like right when you walk in, there's a bookshelf right there and it's got a whole, and somebody said to me the other day, like, what a great collection of cookbooks that you have. I'm like, well, I know the author of a couple of them. <laughs> that's Jojo. Um, Thanks. I think that's, you know, I mean, I think that's something that's really pretty cool. That's something that I want to see. Yeah. Well, and it is like birthing a baby when you finally, so it takes, so once you turn in the manuscript, so they give you like six months to a year to actually write and test the book. And then typically then I'm also in charge of the photography. So I'll set up if the author, if the chef author doesn't know like where to go, I will like, here are some great food photographers. Let's start interviewing. Here's their website. Start looking at like what aesthetic you want, et cetera start interviewing people and then set up the photo shoots of, out of all the recipes. Okay. From each chapter, cause you want it to feel balanced. What from each chapter are we going to shoot and how is right. it, is it just ingredients? Is it a beauty, a plated dish? Is it an in process? Like let's say you're wrapping something in a banana leaf. Well, let's show how to do that with a step-by-step and do photos that way. Something like that. So I create the shot list, then we shoot it. Um, and hire somebody to do the props and everything. And then you turn all that in and then you get endless red lined notes from the editor <laughs> stuff, a- asking queries. I handle all of that typically um, and only get the chef involved if I need to, because it's because they're running a business typically and it's a tedious sure. process. And um, then you send that in and then typically a year later it comes out. I mean, it's really a long time. Um, so once you get it, and you can feel that cover and, and 
like go through the pages. I saw every single one I've cried. It's like birthing. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, it's here. I can touch it. It's Sandra's really moment. Well, I mean, I mean, you build them. That's the thing. You know, yeah, the concept is there from the other person. They're developing recipes. They're putting them together. But, I mean, you're you're retesting those recipes. And it's got to be tough working with a chef who's creating a recipe for 100. And you're now taking that recipe and scaling it down to four or six. Yeah. Interestingly enough, none of the cookbooks that I've done with restaurants, I've done that. Um, huh. because yeah, I, I basically start from scratch. They'll right. tell me what's in it, but I know enough to know, okay, there's a chopped onion. You don't need to tell me how to do that. Like right. I know how long it needs to cook. I just ask, do you want color? Do you want it translucent? So I've been doing this so long that we just find starting from scratch is usually the best because once you start scaling stuff down, really? a lot of the times the methods are different too. They might be right. being something because of the volume. And then in a home kitchen, maybe that's not the best road to take, Right. you know? So I typically don't scale. Um, Yeah, for charcoal, not really. He would tell me what, you know, obviously what's in it. And he knows, oh my God, he's, his brain, Josiah's brain. He will remember to the grain of salt what is in a dish. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. but yeah, and then I obviously, then I kind of talk to the chef about, okay, what about this recipe? And I write all the headers of what basically the introduction to the recipe of what's right. important about it or what was the impetus? How did you come up with this? Or is there a memory or is there a caveat? Hey, be careful about this or you can make this ahead or whatever it is. You know, oh, I write wow. all of that. Nice. So if anybody wants to get in, if anybody wants to write a book, they should come to you. I would hope so. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I know love collaborating with chefs almost more than I I enjoy writing my own books, to be honest. So I really love it. You're going to do another. All cuisines, you know. Right. Well, I know, I, you know, Martin Yan, who we just talked about the other day, and I met him years ago, and he does, he does four books a year. Wow. He has a dedicated kitchen photo space staff just for his cookbooks and he does four i think he said he does four a year well i mean he's got you know he owns every single episode of yan can cook that he ever did and he just hit his 40th year wow 40 years he's been on tv and it's so funny because you know we, we take a look at celebrity chefs now and it's like you know you've got Tyler Florence, who's been at it for seven years, eight years, 10 years, you know, and then you've got a Martin Yan who's done it for 40. 20. So I met Tyler and Food Number One was 99. Oh my God. Was it really that far, that long yeah. ago? Yeah. And he was, before that, he was on the, the talk show of Food Network called In Food Today. Oh yeah. I like him. I've, he's always been very, he, he's a very, he, he's a very nice guy. He's amazing. I've been trying to get him on the show. We've gone back and forth, you know, right after I met him in Brooklyn about two years ago, he was like, absolutely. Yep. Let's do it. Let's get it, set it up. Let me know what I can do for you. And then right after that, the fires came in and ripped oh. apart Northern California. And he made a movie about it. He directed a movie. Oh my God. Un- did he? Uncru- uncrushable. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure it's out yet. Um, but that's, I mean, pretty incredible. Yeah. He made a film. 
I think that's one of the things that that I love so much now about a lot of these chefs that are out there and that are doing stuff is that 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 the the way that that the branch out has happened. You know, people don't just stay in food. I mean, I'm not just in food. I mean, I'm involved in the business. I'm involved in, you know, some production stuff with the podcast. And we have a lot of other things out there. It's not just about food. And it's really neat to watch guys like Tyler, who has been on TV for as long as he has, who has as many restaurants as he does, who has as many books as he does, who has as many shows as he does. And now he's fucking directing and producing a movie. It's like, that's awesome. He's, yeah. That's he's like great- my brother. He's like my brother. Cause while we were writing his first book, I don't know if you know this, my birthday is September 11th and I, I was in, I was in New York city. I uh, did not. Uh, with Tyler. It was our first day of food photography and the photographer was delayed for obvious reasons. He, uh, Tyler was living in Brooklyn at the time and he was like, Oh, run to go get baby bok choy. But I want you to go into Chinatown. I don't know. Oh my Brooklyn. God. And I'm like, okay. You know, yes, chef. And did you know at this point that? No, I almost got caught on the subway. I was five minutes. Wow. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. But it was really, uh, we'll always be bonded for that. Um, Yeah. Because it was my birthday and we watched it happen from his roof in Park Slope. So, yeah, uh, it was, I mean, obviously, uh, the whole country, or if not the he world, was, was devastated. But to be there with him on my birthday and actually watch the hell the second helicopter in real life, right, um, was life changing. Yeah, I I mean I I remember I was I was standing in my living room and I called my 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 then wife and I was like, "Where are you? What are you doing?" And she's like, "I'm at work." And I'm like, "Get the fuck out of the building." I'm like, there, there, there's something going on. And, and as soon as, and while I was on the phone with her, the second plane hit Ugh. and it was the weirdest thing ever. Cause I had to drive to, I had to drive up to Trenton cause I had to go to a food show. And I remembered, I still drove up. I still did everything I had to do. And I got in there. And as soon as I walked in, they were like, everybody needs to leave. The show is over. Everybody needs to go home. And yeah. everybody walked out and left. And I mean, it was a pretty, I mean, I wasn't in, but it was pretty wild being up that way. So, what a way to bring the mood down. I know. Way to end this show. Way to fuck that one up for us. Yeah. Nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I, I, I've been trying to get Tyler on. You know, I mean, he's been so nuts with everything that he does that it's been, you know, his his publicist has gotten back to me and we've done all that stuff. And so you got to let him know so we can get him on because he's just such a great you know, I mean, like I said, he walked up in the middle of one of my demonstrations, just grabbed me, kissed me on the cheek and turned around and walked away. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. Yeah. Every chef I've worked with, has, there's not been one that was like. Eh, I can name one. Douchey, I can't. Swanky Bubbles. Who is the chef? Never mind. We'll talk about that all. I don't even remember. There so was clearly. a chef who oh, was. I, now I know. Now yeah. I know. Who was yeah. yelling at a culinary student. Yeah. Like I screaming at a I actually did student. look how I blocked it out of my I know. You did really well on that. But that was one. Okay. That's one that was episode. one. In, I mean, we had, all fairness, look, had I mean, Brendan Collins. Awesome. Nick Liberato. Awesome. Yep. Who else? Who else? Uh, what other chefs? Curtis Stone is amazing. Kurt, hold on. Curtis was on Rescue? No, not Rescue. I oh, just, oh you're talking about, about some chef. chefs I've, I've worked with. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Oh. Just, yeah, I've, I've just never really lucky. I've, I've met him one. Actually, Nick Liberato did a bunch of stuff with him 
on surfing. Because Curtis is Australian, right? Correct. Yeah. Huh. I would ask you who the worst chef you've ever worked with is, but we won't do that publicly. I don't even. We, I, I think I you're remember. pretty. You don't work with those guys. I well, I don't know who that would even be. I mean, honestly, I mean, even Marcel. I did Marcel's Quantum Kitchen. Um, who used to be obviously, I met him on Top Chef, and he's this doll. And on TV, you know, everybody perceived him as as, as kind of a jerk, and he's wonderful. Right. And super talented. So, I, again, it's like, I can't, I, I'm knocking on wood. I'm very, very fortunate. Um, huh. And you well, included. Well, right, uh, I mean, look, I cherish the relationship that we have. I really do. It's important to me on many levels, on a friendship level, on a business level. You know, I mean, on, on many levels. I really enjoy it. And I'm glad that we get to share some of the craziness of me not wanting to work the night before a thing and you wanting to work the night before you know, I'm like, let's go to dinner. Let's go find a bar. And you're like, okay, I will go with you. But first we have to do this. Yeah, I know. I stress you out sometimes. I, uh, I, try, you know I tried. I tried this time not to stress you out. Uh, no, well, this time was, this was a huge difference because I have a, I have a patience while I'm there because we have three days to get it right. You know, I know that I'll pr- I know that I'll put out what I have to put out. And the cool part about the demos that we do in the live situations where we're doing them for GE and the like during the shows is that you know, we just work around whatever we have. I honestly think that that the the private demonstrations that we do are harder to do because we don't have a kitchen, a full staff. We don't have a dishwasher right in front of us. You know, and we have to shop it out. And, and we've got to shop it out. And I think you were more freaked out about Vegas thinking you had to shop it out for four days or for three days than, than anything. Because when I first told you about it, you're like, I can't do that. That's not for me. And I was like, I promise you, you can do this. Plus, we had culinary students. Right. And the funny part about that is, is a lot of those culinary students weren't even supposed to be with us. They were supposed to be split up amongst the other chefs. Well, that ended up happening. But but it happened with the two chicks because I'll I'll be honest with you, those two other women, they didn't want to work. No. They didn't, and that's okay. I understand that. There's nothing wrong with that. But we got the workers. You know, we got Tori who wants nothing more than – did you see her picture this morning, by the way? No. Picture of her uh, with Paula Abdul? No. Well, she just – because she flew to Vail. Vail? to go and do yoga with her and her team. Oh, she's a very accomplished yogi and Reiki master and the whole nine yard energy healer, all of that. Well, and she's vegan and I'm sending her to Ronan's crossroads. She's, uh, cookbook. she's yeah. just such a great lady. She was awesome on the show. And we're talking about, by the way, Joe and I are talking about the fact that Tori Lubecki, who was on the show in the past, um, you guys, I don't know if you remember her or not. She was a bunch of episodes back. But Tori, who used to be Ka in the show Ka for Cirque du Soleil, she is now in culinary school. And she's a vegan chef. And she's not only a vegan chef, she's a raw vegan. So nothing that she eats is above 120 degrees. Like she's really very, um, look, she's, she's, a, she's a great chick. And very talented at what she does. And so somebody called her and said, hey, we, we're going to fly you to Vail for the night. Can, whatever it was. I think it was Vail. Can you come in and do a yoga session with Paula Abdul and her team? 
And so she did. They sent a private jet for her and they picked her up and they flew her in. And, you know, and she's such a great chick. I mean, look, you got to understand that she rode a bike that was like four times the size of her in the Pacific Northwest and didn't have a fear. Like I was shocked. Her bike was bigger than my bike and I'm three times the size of Tori. Maybe not three, maybe, maybe one and a quarter, but you know, I mean, she's a, she's a a pretty impressive individual. So, so I'm glad you got to meet, you know, her and JC and Jason, the three of them just, they wanted to work with us. They didn't want to work with anybody else, you know, because they enjoyed working and they're hard workers. So it's fun. They're good people, but I think you should definitely come to the show this year at nightclub and bar. Just not to work, just to do the walkthrough and see what happens at it. Okay. It's a really good thing. So I think you should definitely make that happen. Um, but uh, all right. I know that you got shit to do and so do I. And <laughs> the show, we have a job and everything else. So um, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I'm so glad that we've kind of, we've, we've had a lot of fun this year and I'm really glad that you've been a part of it. And I'm glad that you've been out there to spend time with me and sitting in fucking Gulfport, Mississippi and St. Louis and, you know, and all these other crazy cities and, you know, Houston and, you know, we've, we're wherever Dallas and I don't even know where the hell we've been. We've been San Antonio, San Antonio. Um, and we have more fun ones coming up. You know, we've, we're already starting to get hit up where we're, I talked to a guy the other day and he wants us to do a tour through the Pacific Northwest, Excellent. you know, of a couple awesome. cool spots up there and, and some of the neat stuff. So, so we'll be able to do that and I'm excited and you know, we, I want to, I want to work with you as close as possible to make it as streamlined and as organized as possible. Well, Pacific Northwest, they'll have dry scallops there. So. They will have the best looking dry scallops <laughs> that we've ever seen. I'll explain dry scallops to everybody after. So, um, but Joe, thanks so much for everything. I appreciate your professionalism and your friendship and, and everything that you do. And you're just truly brilliant in what you do. And um, I, I know it gets stressed, but I appreciate every bit of it. And I, I oh, really I, get to do this. I that. love it. And you make me laugh. I mean, you really <laughs> make me laugh on the daily. So thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Yeah, no, I'm really glad. And I mean, I think that it's important that people get to see different parts of this business. And, and, you know, you're bringing in two different parts from culinary and, and from production at the same time. And it's so neat. What a great little, what a, what a great business you've created for yourself and a niche, you know, a niche that, that not a lot of people would ever imagine. So um, I think it's pretty cool. So Thank you. why don't you do us a favor one more time? Tell us who you are. Tell us really quick what you do. And then at the same time, tell us how we can get in contact with you. Sure. Uh, my name is Joanne Janchuli. Um, I'm a culinary producer, food writer, cookbook author, and food stylist. Um, my website is dirtydishesmedia.com, uh, where you could find my bio and my email. But just for the sake of it, it's Joanne, no E, J-O-A-N-N, at dirtydishesmedia.com if you want to uh, shoot me an email. Awesome. Joe, thanks so much, bud. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Have a gorgeous day. You too. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. So there is, uh, you know, that's a relationship that started from rescue. And, and, and I, you know, I talk about bar rescue, um, kind of on the DL on the backside because, you know, I mean, it was a tough show to do. There was a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, a lot of personality, um, conflicts that happened, you know, and, and one guy had the ball and, you know, if that, if, you know, he didn't like the person he was working with, he pulled the ball away. Um, and it, so it was a tough kind of thing, but we had such a great group of people that worked around 
uh, you know, the show that made the show just awesome to be on. You know, the crew, I'm still friends with so many people in the crew and a lot of the cast, we're all still, you know, close friends. I mean, a, a lot of the guys on the show are, are, are still friends of mine in my world from, from, you know, mixology over to culinary, over to production, over to everything. I mean, it, it was really a cool show to do. Um, and, you know, to watch, be able to work with Joe through all these years and see some of the cool stuff that she's put together is really awesome because she's such a great person. Um, you know, and in this business, it's tough to find just great people. So I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty glad that we've got that going. So, Joe, thanks so much for being on. It's 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 always a pleasure. And uh, that's what I got. So. All right, boys and girls, that's the end of this episode of Duffified Live. Uh, do me a favor and check out Dirty Dishes Jojo. Um, or Dirty Dishes Media, whichever one you'd like to go to. I definitely think you should check out some of the Instagram stuff and some of the cool stuff that she puts together. Go to Dirty Dishes Media and check out her books that she has done. Um, you got a book? Hey, you never know. You might want to have JoJo on it. She's a pretty amazing talent um, at what she does. So it's kind of cool to, to be able to work with somebody who, who gets the vision who understands your vision and is able to execute your vision on a piece of paper um, to make it come out the right way. So check Joe out. Um, that's what I got for the week. We're going to talk about uh, Techno Solution with uh, uh, Michelle out there. She does all the website and all the good stuff. The boys down there at RadioInfluence.com. Trust me. Get a podcast. Have an idea. Talk to these guys. They'll let you know right off the bat. You guys know my motto. It's real simple. You got a 100% chance of a no if you don't ask. If you do, got a 50-50 shot. I'd rather take those odds than anything else. Um, then we got Maggie Gagliardi, who does all of our illustrations. I got to hang out with Maggie this weekend, and I was really glad to see her. So, boys and girls, thanks so much for hanging out on Duffified Live this week, and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef, B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out radioinfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>